You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, good morning, good evening, and good day. Welcome to Drone News. This week with your host, Taken Flight and the Flying Dutchman. This week in Drone News, we actually have a lot to go over as drones are becoming, well, more and more well-liked across the economy, helping in the wake of COVID. But also, it seems like the American government is trying to support American manufacturing, or so it seems. Yet, we find out in this first piece of news story that drone safety records continue to be amongst the highest of safety records in the entire aviation industry. With a little over 8 million drones in the United States alone, there have only been now two confirmed collisions with drones and other aircraft. Which brings us to our first piece of news. Right from the NTSB, it seems like that helicopter from last year in LA, well, it might actually have hit a drone. Haya, what do you have for us? Yeah, hey, good morning, Paul. Um, this is an interesting story. Uh, December last year is when we found out that this news helicopter flying over Los Angeles might have actually hit something. There was some kind of collision. Back then, they didn't know what it was. They suspected a drone collision, possibly. Since then, the NTSB has looked into this uh, situation, and they made a report that was published late in June of this year, and they suspect that it was, in fact, a drone. No biological matter was found on the helicopter, so it was for sure not a strike or anything like that uh, they suspect it was a drone strike they did not find any drone parts so remember that story in Staten Island New York where the Black Hawk army helicopter was struck by a phantom they actually found pieces of that drone and they actually found pieces with a serial number that linked the drone to the drone pilot at the time in this case they haven't found any debris nothing was stuck on the helicopter they also had uh, ground crews search for a uh, crash drone in that area they didn't find anything so that drone was never recovered but NTSB concluded that most likely it was a drone and also even though this happened at night and at a elevation of 1100 feet uh, over ground level they say it might not have been an illegal drone flight why because one you can get a waiver for flying at nighttime so that might have solved that problem secondly this happened over the LA downtown area and close to where it happened there are buildings that are tall enough that if you were to fly within a lateral 400 feet distance and as high as 400 feet over one of those tall buildings that drone might actually have been uh, a legal drone flight after all it did occur in class g airspace uh, is what the ntsb sets um so that's all we know no pilot has been found no drone has been found but most likely this was in fact a drone collision with a helicopter and if you look at the images that we have on drone excel you can see that the uh, the damage i mean it's it's pretty significant damage in the sense that you can actually see the marks and the dents and the scratches of where the drone hits the helicopter the drone must have been obliterated i guess by the propeller and luckily the helicopter was able to uh, land safely right after the collision and nobody got injured nobody got hurt so it ended well but of course this is i think the sixth suspected mid-air collision between a drone and a manned airplane or helicopter it is scary still because everybody's always holding their breath hoping that nothing will actually go uh, bad so far we've been lucky but there's been plenty of uh, of scary and close calls for sure 
Definitely Hyatt. So six unconfirmed cases. So it looks like I misspoke as far as two confirmed uh, hits. But that being said, do we know how many confirmed strikes there are now at this point? Yeah, we do. Well, there are six different stories. And uh, let me just pull this back up again. So we have Staten Island Black Hawk helicopter. Uh, I think that was, what, 2018? That was that confirmed. Was confirmed. Uh, that one counts. You have the one helicopter incident uh, over Hollywood Beach in Florida where a Mavic drone is flying and all of a sudden this helicopter flies literally feet underneath uh, this drone uh, zipping by. That was a close call. There's been a close call at the uh, Niagara Falls where a helicopter all of a sudden came from behind and just flies right into view. That was a close one as well, almost as close as what we saw in Florida. There's been a mid-air collision between a uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police drone and helicopter that were on a joint mission. They collided mid-air, apparently poor communications. That helicopter came down, helicopter's damage, did not fly the same day anymore. It's been, I think it was actually airlifted and brought in for repairs. Nobody got hurt. Uh, there's been a suspected drone helicopter collision in Hawaii, I think that was two years ago. That story came to a conclusion, by the way. I read the report on this one. The drone did hit the helicopter, but it hit uh, the base of the helicopter. The drone kept flying, the helicopter kept flying. The helicopter pilot, um, I don't think he was sighted, but he was actually in the wrong because the drone pilot was doing nothing wrong. They were in class G airspace. They were doing everything right. But Haya, let me just stop you right here. I mean, it seems like there really are only two confirmed cases in the United yeah. States, whereas there may be an additional case from Canada, which we just reported on recently. But that's still, I mean, I mean, we're sitting here arguing about two or three cases, depending on, you know, an imaginary boundary in this great continent. And it still just makes you think, wow, two or three confirmed air-to-air -air hits out of eight million drones. I mean, uh, we're talking about uh, one thousandth of one percent as far as, you know, statistical probability of a drone hitting a helicopter. And, you know, Haya, some one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting because I read the NTSB report on this uh, L.A. crash. And it was actually, in my opinion, one of uh, just like the Manhattan uh, Black Hawk helicopter issue. This was actually one case where it seemed like there was a decent amount of evidence to prove that the drone did actually hit the helicopter because they say that the uh, swab analysis came back with a polycarbonate substance consistent with the same material that you see on a Phantom. And also there was a hole in the aircraft on the, uh, on the helicopter, excuse me, and the whole diameter size was consistent with the motor, um, what would you call that, the motor prop mount. So, I mean, I think that that's pretty significant evidence to say that this was definitely a confirmed hit, albeit it really makes you think about the bigger picture and how relative this is, considering just how many drones are out there, Haya. I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, those are two things I wanted to make sure that are being uh, mentioned on this show as well. I mean, one, there are so many drones and the amount of hours flown with drones are is just crazy compared to manned aviation. Secondly, in all likelihood, if there was a collision, it's the drone who gets the short end of the stick and most likely an airplane and a helicopter will probably come out okay. I mean, we don't know for sure, but most indications are that the damage would probably be limited in most cases. Luckily, so far, what we have seen that has been the case of course nobody ever wants to find out that it might be serious more serious but so far drones are considered to be the safest form of aviation for sure
Oh yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, it was funny when you were saying, you know, the drone pilot gets the short end of the stick. I appreciate your clarification on that because from, like the Hawaii case that we saw, the drone pilot actually did not get the short uh, end of the stick. So I think that that's uh, actually a good thing to mention. Which, Haya, that brings us to another really important point, which is in our recent aerial intelligence survey, which went out to DroneU members last week and now is open to the public, we are trying to gain insights as far as what's important to drone pilots. What is their perception on the FAA and the regulatory environment that we are currently flying within? And I've gotten a lot of responses back already, Haya, and it brings me to a really important point that I think is crucial when discussing the safety record of drones. Because frankly, one of the questions that we put out was, do you believe the FAA needs to further define what is navigable airspace? And of the respondents, 76.47% had actually said that yes, they do need to define it. Because as just you were saying in this story, the LA helicopter was actually flying between buildings, which is arguably not navigable airspace. And so as many FPV and Cinewhoop pilots argue that they're staying below the treetops and arguing that micro drones aren't subject to those rules, it makes you wonder if the FAA will come out and actually further define navigable airspace, or maybe they won't, and they'll play the classic government agency role, and we won't actually see a decision on this until it's legally challenged. But that brings me to our, my next point, Haya, before we move on, which is both of us would love to hear from all of you. If you would go ahead and click the link below in the description to take 15 minutes, the average completion time is about 14, 15 minutes, to complete this 60 question survey to help us help you. Our goal is to better understand the environment that we're in so we can help educate the, well, the economy as a whole as far as more efficiencies for drones and how they can be used to help social distancing, but also keep the wheels spinning with business. And honestly, Haya, I am super shocked to learn that 65.47% of our respondents have been working the entire time during the coronavirus, which really makes you think, wow, being a drone pilot well, really has some value. And Haya, I would ask if you would answer that aerial intelligence survey as well, because I think it's just a great opportunity to learn from the industry as a whole. I totally agree with you. I mean, my uh, my response is already in there. I think I submitted it on the same day or the following day when you guys launched the survey. But recently, we've seen two instances with helicopters, one with a news helicopter and an Inspire drone, the other one with a police helicopter in L.A. as well with uh, a, a Phantom drone where they are totally in each other's airspace and the, the helicopters are flying way, way low. So some clarification about what is navigable airspace and who has the right of way and who can fly where. I mean, of course, demand aviation has right of way, but I think uh, clarification on that would for sure be a good thing. And while manned aviation does have the right of way, there has to be some sort of clarification on egregious behavior from helicopters because helicopters know their prop wash will sink a drone. And like just like you said, we saw an example of this a few weeks ago. And so at what point will the FAA, you know, hold 
helicopter pilots accountable. We've seen this with the Newport Beach police like numerous times. Luckily had the opportunity to talk to the chief a few years ago regarding an incident that we had. And frankly, hi, it was a phenomenal conversation, like very grateful for that. Had a chance to talk to the pilot and just, you know, ask the very poignant question, how do you expect drone pilots to act responsibly if you are not going to lead by example yourself? And uh, I think that that was a very good poignant question that kind of got the, uh, the idea across. And I'm very grateful to have had the ear uh, of the chief, so thank you. Now that being said, that brings us to our next piece of drone news. As Haya, I mean the Flying Dutchman's article on Game of Drones has really hit the nail on the head. As we are really learning just how deep the fractures go between the Chinese and the Americans as they try to, well, compete to take over the skies. And now the American government is getting involved as they throw close to $100 million at American manufacturers. But is it really going to American manufacturers? Dutchman, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, here. 84.4 million US dollars from the Department of Defense have been made available to a number of companies, including a shipbuilder, but also companies in the US drone industry. And the list might surprise you. The first one in alphabetical order is Aramap. Aramap got uh, $3.3 million uh, from this fund. But the next one on the list that is interesting is Skydio. Skydio also received uh, $4 million from this fund. And in total, it's about 13.4 million US dollars that went to the drone industry in the United States. Now, with this money, they uh, expect to be able to save 14 full-time uh, job positions as well as create 20 new ones. So that's kind of the issue, of course, it's uh, labor in the US is kind of expensive. So even if you throw money at it, in reality, what you get in terms of uh, employment and, and jobs that you can create are safe, the numbers aren't really all that impressive, unfortunately. However, of course, any money going to U.S. drone companies is a good thing. And especially when it comes to Skydio, there's a lot more news that we'll get into in a minute. It's interesting to see what happens there. There are currently two American-made drones, if you will, that uh, qualify under the strict requirements from the Department of Defense. One is uh, Parrot with their new Anafi USA drone. That drone is being assembled outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Some parts are still coming from China. Some parts are manufactured in the US. The drone is designed in France and is built right here in the United States. Almost makes it a, a US-made drone, but not quite. Skydio is in Redwood City, California. That drone is manufactured, designed, invented right here in the United States but even that drone has some China parts as well. So uh, interesting stuff. Good to see some competition. Good to see money going to these companies so that they're able to compete more with the behemoth uh, DJI. So in that sense, it's great news. Also good to see money coming from the government being made available to small US-based drone manufacturers. But then again, 13 million, 13.4 only goes so far. I mean, it's, it's great, but it's not going to move the needle in any significant way when it comes to the global drone industry and the competition that takes place there. You know what's really interesting, Haya, and I'm uh, really starting to question uh, the level of corruption in the, this industry as you and I have been privy to a lot of information that other people haven't been. And we've been in meeting rooms that other people haven't been. And uh, I'm just uh, not going to close my mouth anymore because I feel like this bifurcation is just killing our kids' ability to learn to fly and it's just gone too far. And so you wonder why the hell is a company like AirMap with a history 
of division, a history of even attempting by spending millions of dollars in lobbying to segregate the airspace. I mean, haven't we learned that segregation as a whole is bad? Haven't we learned that having, you know, these barriers to entry to industry are uh, a complete, you know, sham uh, most of the time? Um, so, you know, I just, you know, Haya, as, uh, as a drone pilot, I am seriously concerned why the government would give someone like AirMap this much money. And the only logical conclusion that I can come to is that AirMap is once again aggregating data and providing it to the DOD to further understand or provide a better picture of exactly what is going on. And I would just ask all of you once again, please, and you too, Bill, please do not use that app to look up airspace or anything. It pings all of your information and sends it over the network. And uh, if you don't believe me, then you can go ahead and download the program Wireshark, close all your other programs, connect to Wi-Fi via Wireshark, and watch the packets that are sent over the server, because I promise you will be surprised. That being said, there's a lot of excitement here, Haya. Model or Modal AI, a flight controller, a true American flight controller. I think that would be so awesome. You know, I wrote an article uh, July 3rd regarding the new um, government edition of this like HearLink. Uh, it was like HearLink, but it's a, essentially a digital transmission system for the PX4, which is an Ontarian flight controller. Most of the American drones are built with this PX4 flight controller. And most of the American drones don't have anywhere near the flying distance or the radio distance that a DJI drone with something like Lightbridge 1 or Lightbridge 2 can offer. Well, now with this new edition and this government edition, the PX4 can actually offer an encrypted digital signal, greatly increase the transmission distance, and actually potentially create drones that might be able to compete with the Chinese. That being said, we are still relying off of a flight controller that is manufactured in South Korea with parts from China. And as many of you know, and many of you will think that this is a political issue, but I think many Americans are seeing the benefit for reducing supply chain distances or endurances, meaning how far a product has to travel from one part to the other, especially in the wake of a pandemic when supply chains are being so interrupted that it's becoming hard to buy canned dog food. So with that said, I think that a lot of Americans are interested in shortening these supply chain distances and Modal AI is really, really exciting. And furthering that, Graffiti Enterprises, uh, that, I mean, I just talked about the PX4 digital transmission. This is a, essentially something very similar. And so all in all, I'm really, really, really happy to see a lot of this, although the corruption is still vastly evident. And I hope that at some point, we as an industry get smart enough to not let our, uh, we don't like let what happen. How do I say this? I hope the drone industry, because it's a techie group of people, is smart enough to not allow something like what we saw with Facebook in using data against you over time. And then yeah. finally it came to essentially a denouement uh, or a climax. And uh, here we are with people, um, suicide rates through the roof, you know, social comparison is astronomical and people are leaving social media like crazy. And so before we ruin what's awesome and fun, let's go ahead and just think really smart about who we give our data to because the data could be used nefariously. Which brings us to our next story, Haya. Thanks for your patience as I rant and ramble. 
So it looks like there's a lot more money that hasn't been talked about here. And it looks like Skydio was a major beneficiary of all of this. And it looks like, well, they have also been able to get a lot of cash to fly through their door. What do you have? No worries, Paul. I just finished lunch, so it worked out great. Uh, Skydio, <laughs> back to Skydio. <laughs> Skydio had awesome news starting on Monday. For one day, raised 100 million US dollars, which brings the total funds raised by Skydio to 170 million dollars. So now we're talking serious money. This is the kind of money I think that you need to, to develop as a company uh, and to be able to compete on the global market, such as the drone market. So I'm super, super uh, excited about this news and I'm very hopeful to see what Skydio is going to be able to do with this influx of uh, 100 million US dollars. Now, that wasn't the only news that Skydio shared with us on Monday. They also launched a new drone and it's called the Skydio X2 and it comes in two different versions, the Skydio X2D and the Skydio X2E. D stands for defense, E stands for enterprise. One of them uh, is going to compete basically with the Parrot uh, Anafi USA, specifically for short range uh, reconnaissance and military missions. The other one is for enterprise solutions. And if you look at the drone, it's it looks very, very different from the original Skydio. I mean, it's still a quadcopter, has four arms. This time the arms actually fold, so it is more compact. But the thing is all blacked out. It's all carbon fiber. It looks serious. It looks legit. It has the same uh, flight autonomy system that we know from the Skydio 2. So it should fly really well. The difference this time is that uh, it also has GPS and you can also fly it at night. Whereas with the Skydio 2, you need good lighting conditions for that autonomy feature to work and for the drone to be able to avoid obstacles. With this new version, you don't need it because you can fly it as if you were to fly, let's say, DJI Mavic. So I think that's really exciting. It has the same uh, 4K video cameras to help with obstacle avoidance. It has uh, LED um, lights built in for when you do fly at night. It has a gimbal that can look all the way up. Uh, so you can use it for inspection underneath bridges or other structures and buildings. Also, it can provide a 360 degree aerial perspective that allows you then to zoom in a hundred times and look for, let's say, a suspect or look around a emergency situation. So this drone really kind of ups the ante when it comes to uh, commercial drones. And it's all done in the way Skydio does it with the drone that pretty much flies itself. It comes with a new, more rugged controller with like bigger sticks and that you can actually operate when you have gloves on. The range is more limited, so don't expect uh, the kind of ranges that we're used to from DJI drones. This drone will fly uh, 6.2 kilometers, which is a little over three miles. So in terms of search and rescue, you don't get that same range that you would get if you were to fly, let's say, a Matrice 300 or a DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Jewel, unfortunately. Two things that are interesting as well to mention here is uh, what Skydio is working on is a Skydio 3D scan software solution as well as a house scan solution. Now the house scan is more geared towards roof inspections and the like. The 3D scan is I think more interesting that you can use for instance for bridge inspections. So you would fly the Skydio drone and this is gonna be made available not just for the X2, D and E, but also for the existing Skydio 2. This software solution should be made available in uh, Q4 of this year. But what it allows you to do is you fly the drone up to a bridge structure and then on your uh, controller, you identify what part of the bridge you want inspected. And that drone will fly up close to that structure and provide you with a 3D model. Now, this is not like survey grades type mapping and 3D modeling, but if you're looking for um, 
issues with a bridge and, and perhaps maintenance that need to be done, then having a 3D model of this structure will show you exactly where you need to focus. Now, of course, when you use men's inspections and use cherry pickers, you have to close down a bridge. It takes quite some time to perform an inspection. It's dangerous. It stops traffic. Whereas if you do with drones and not just, let's say, with one Skydio drone, but maybe you can uh, actually put four, five, six of them to use simultaneously, you can inspect that bridge much, much faster, have much less impact on traffic and also do it in a much safer fashion. So this is what they've come out with right now. Then add into that equation the $100 million that they received in additional funding from investors. I think the future for Skydio is pretty bright and I'm super excited to see what the Skydio 3 is going to look like and what the next generation of Skydio commercial drones will look like. The one thing that we don't know is yet is the price point. We know that the Parrot and Avi USA, I think is $7,000. Skydio we know is competitive. Their regular Skydio 2 that many, many people have ordered but not yet received uh, goes for less than $1,000. I hope that they will be uh, competitive as well when it comes to these uh, new commercial drone but we haven't received a, a price yet and nor do we know when and if we'll be able to actually get our hands on one fly it and share that experience with you guys but all in all super exciting news for skydio uh, a us-based company and they strive to make a u.s manufactured drone adam bry one of the co-founders said that they're actively looking to get rid of all the chinese components in the drone and make it a 100 u.s made uh, drone which i think is awesome news so a bright future and we'll keep an eye on them for sure and uh, update you guys with any news that's, uh, that might, or might arise in the future. Definitely interesting to see Skydio coming out with a new drone. And it looks like there are still some things that could really take that drone to the next level as uh, you start to scratch your head wondering why there's still a 12 megapixel camera on that drone. But Haya, I see this as, a, as kind of something that's cool because I feel like that you and I predicted exactly Skydio's strategic game plan from the beginning. I'm not sure if you remember when we discussed their plan, which essentially mimicked DJI. Let's create this consumer drone, which is gonna have a mass market effect so that we can pump money into our company to build a true enterprise drone that would be able to compete with the best drones out there. So I would say with a high degree of confidence, Haya, that uh, we're pretty good at uh, predicting this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I mean, we knew and suspected that Skydio was working on a commercial drone. I mean, we knew that they were actively reaching out to first responders with their Skydio 2 drone as well to get that into the hands of uh, commercial or professional drone pilots. So we knew they were working on something, but at the same time, no news had leaked. And we were taken by surprise uh, last Monday when all of a sudden they announced these new drones. Again, super exciting news. It kind that ties into the next topic that's, uh, that we can talk about, having to do with the Chula Vista Police Department in California. We know Chula Vista has been super active in using drones in their police work, and they have actually now started to use Skydio 2 drones as well for their work. They cover part of the town from their police station, another part of the town they can't reach, it's too far. So what they're doing is they're equipping some of their officers with Skydio drones that are permanently fixed in the trunk of their cars, and wherever they are on patrol, they can actually stop, launch the drone, and then put that drone to work. Chula Vista has now also received approval from the FAA to fly these drones 
drones beyond visual line of sight. Now again, the Skydio 2 drone, the range is not the same as compared to a DJI Mavic uh, Air 2 or a DJI Mavic 2 Pro or Zoom. So you're not going to fly it that far. But I mean, especially in an, in an urban environment, I mean, as soon as you fly over buildings and your drone is out of line of sight, you would want and need this approval from the FAA. They got it. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of cases and what kind of situations uh, Chula Vista Police Department is going to put these drones in. And of course, once that news come out, we'll be sure to mention and discuss that here on the show as well. Yeah, hi, I'm really uh, ready to do some investigative reporting on Chula Vista because I have heard a lot about crashes and this problem with certain public safety agencies that if they're operating under a POW-COA or operating under a certain um, a certain type of uh, regulatory uh, framework or environment, that they don't have to report their crashes, which I think is a significant issue because as drone pilots are held accountable by the FAA, for the FAA to you know essentially uh, remove the reporting aspect of crashes in one form or another for public safety really gets you scratching your head. And if we take this thought process even further, it makes you wonder, Haya, how is the FAA determining the pilots and or programs culpability or capability to be truly safe? With that said, Haya, I think that there's a little bit of digging that we need to do. What do you say? I agree. I think uh, we might want to do a special on the Tula Vista Police Department. Uh, I think they're one of the police departments that are pushing the envelope in terms of how they use drones. So it's going to be really interesting. The fact that you just mentioned that they don't need to report on their crashes kind of scares me because it also prevents you from learning from those mistakes. And it might well be that the Tula Vista Police Department learns from their mistakes. But I think the reporting functionality would allow everybody else to learn from those mistakes as well. And I think that will be important. So not having that requirement built in kind of scares me a little bit. Um, again, maybe we should look into this closer and uh, perhaps do a special on Chula Vista. I think maybe, Haya, we should because I have a lot of information that I've been looking into because, as you know, law enforcement and public safety are essentially leaders in this uh, society and they are looked upon in that way. And when they use new technologies, obviously, if we don't use them the right way, well, we could inhibit the ability to use that tool for everyone else. So that's why it's so important to do the right thing for the right reasons because it ends up affecting everybody else. But that said, looks like that there may actually be a little bit more regulatory news as well, Haya, as the FAA has decided to partner with the Swiss. Is that because they're really good at creating multi-tools and solutions? Possibly. I mean, uh, some, some, a lot of good things come out of Switzerland. I'm thinking about watches and cheese and whatnot. So I know that in Europe, Switzerland is at the forefront of developing and putting to use a UTM system, meaning a unmanned traffic management system, which is important because if we're sharing the airspace with manned aviation and unmanned aviation and having a system that kind of communicates and make sure that we stay out of each other's way and prevent dangerous situations, of course, is very important. 
Switzerland has been at the forefront within Europe to develop and work on such a model. Now we've learned that the uh, Federal Aviation Administration actually signed a agreement with the Swiss counterpart saying that they're going to share learnings and, and kind of co-develop a UTM system. It's important because in the end, what you do not want is have every country around the world come up with their own methods and their own systems and their own best practices. It's much better if we share those best practices and work towards a international and a universal system so that also when you travel with the drone you know what to expect once you're in a different country so i think it's good news overall uh, they've called it a, a declaration of intent saying that they're going to engage in research development exchange ideas personnel and information as well so not a huge news topic but i think it's important to mention because down the road in the future i think this might become very relevant for sure Definitely, Haya. There is a lot going on in the industry, it seems like, right now. A lot going on in the shadows, at least, with the NTSB, the police, the FAA. And it seems like there is a lot going on as even colleges and schools are getting an influx of funding. For our last piece of news this week, what's going on with the Blue Mountain Community College? Yeah. Blue Mountain Community College, they got a donation and not just a tiny donation. They got $260,000 worth of drones donated by Digital Harvest, agricultural drone company. And it's it's only four drones. Two of them are multi-rotor Leptron Avenger helicopter drones and the other two are fixed-wing Martin UAV Superbest drones. These aircrafts uh, go for around 50,000 bucks each. And then there's some accessories and other material that was donated as well. So then that's how you get to $260,000. The good thing is that these drones have been donated to support existing UAS courses from the Blue Mountain Community College, as well as for the development of a new UAS program. I think it's great because I think if you... If you want to develop and, and um, allow a drone industry in a country to excel and grow, uh, what's important is that you bring in new talent. And new talent, of course, are always the young people, the up-and-comers, the people that are currently in college that are students. I think if you make drone technology and drones available to those smart kids, then you increase the chances of, uh, of some of them actually getting into drone industry as a career choice and hopefully helping to push this industry further along. So any initiatives like this, I'd be glad to report on, uh, on Drone Excel about and share with you guys. I think it's great news that Digital Harvest uh, donated these drones. And uh, yeah, I, I, ho I hope to see more of this uh, throughout the country actually going forward. Yeah, definitely pretty cool, Haya. Definitely pretty cool. And uh, I will say it's nice to see education kind of getting a, a, a bump from donors because as many of us know whether it's an enterprise drone program or public safety oftentimes a vast majority of funding is spent on equipment and not how to use it with that said Haya I just want to say thank you again for joining me on this week's news show as you and I greatly enjoy taking flight each week Awesome. Thanks for being on the show, Paul, and uh, looking forward to uh, the next show next week. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And for everyone out there wondering how the hell is Haya doing the new show, well, let's just say that his stamina and mental fortitude far outpace many of us as he sits in this chair at a 90-degree angle with his knee. And I'm not sure if you've ever had to do that for six weeks, but I haven't, and I can only imagine how much 
it's it's hard to work through that Haya. So you're a strong guy and we're all rooting for you. Awesome. I appreciate it. I mean, every day gets a little better, so I'll get there. No worries. Well, you rock. That's going to do it for us, everyone. Please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review, subscribe, or share the show with someone that you may know. Because uh, if you have found value from this show, who knows, maybe someone else will as well. But that's going to do it for us in this week's Drone News. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.